Hello, welcome to this week's Therapy for Me, and I'm recording on a Friday night. So I'm kind of ahead of where I've been for the last few weeks, but there's a reason why I've got to be ahead of where I've been for the last few weeks, and I'm still not where I need to be, so I'm running behind even though I'm running ahead, if that makes sense. We'll have a bit of twangy guitar, and I'll try and explain as we go along. You won't be surprised to hear that the highlight of last weekend wasn't actually the football. As a Sheffield United supporter, um, losing away at Millwall in a very, very tight game, particularly when we brought ourselves back into it twice, was a little disturbing. And it's getting a little bit tense with regard to the table as it stands at the moment. And I know I'm panicking unnecessarily, but it is what it is and football is what it is. And you're right, it's, it's it's the hope that kills you. So we'll leave that to one side. The highlight of last weekend was going to the cinema with Jack. Now, we've been waiting for... The film we went to see, we've been waiting for for a while. In fact, I think it was released in the US before Christmas. And we've had to do that thing where we've had to wait for a UK uh, release date. And he'd already seen it. So he went for the second time and I went for the first time. Uh, And the film we went to see was uh, Puss in Boots. And I have to say, it was tremendous. Now... Jack does a lot of animation, does a lot of animation on his iPad, and he does some quite, I have to say, some quite clever stuff. And his appreciation of different animation styles and techniques is way beyond anything that I have. And so it's nice to go and watch a film with him uh, because he points out all this really, really clever stuff uh, that I've got no real, real... Yeah, I mean, look, I enjoy the, I enjoy the thing. I mean... Puss in Boots um, is a blast. An hour and 40 minutes is an absolute blast. It's funny, it's exciting. The opening sequence is great. There's no reason not to really, really like it. Um, The way they mess about with his character death is very, very clever. The way it whistles and everything is really, really clever. Uh, You know, it's just, it's just, it's a great film. It's, it's, you know, as a lot of animation is. In fact, some of the best films I've seen over the past few years have been films that I've seen uh, with Jack. I mean, Bad Guys last year was just off the charts good. Um, So that was that was joyous but then the joyous bit was the conversation that came afterwards and all the the kind of in-depth chat we had over the the film because there are some there's a bit of there's a bit in it that's kind of spider-man into the spider-verse kind of uh style of animation the kind of a more of a 2d style of animation which is which is very clever and I really liked in some of the action sequences that was that was nice the way they'd thrown all that in and it was probably I've never been a big fan of the Shrek movies uh, I like the first one not mad keen on the rest after that but I would say this is this is possibly my favorite of that that franchise um and I don't I kind of don't know why I'm telling you this other than we're a week down the line and I'm still thinking back and thinking to how much I in I guess how much I enjoyed it. So that's probably why it's coming in, in first thing, because not only was the highlight of last weekend, a week later it's still kind of one of the highlights of the week, really. Tuesday. So the other thing that happened over the school holidays was um, a trip to a video gaming um, museum that's that's now in Sheffield. I think... 
that I don't know if there's two of these museums or whether it's relocated. I've got a sneaking suspicion it might have been in Nottingham. It might still be in Nottingham. There might be a second one in Sheffield or it's relocated. Anyway, uh, and it's and it's Jack again. Jack disappeared off with some friends to the video gaming um, museum and they had a great day and lots of gaming through the ages um so to speak so you go back to the early stuff all the way through and there's lots of characters there and this and the other and he had a great time but the thing that was interesting was uh Alison sent me a um she sent me a picture through of a glass cube which had a zx spectrum in it now if you're of a certain age you will know what a zx spectrum is so um this was uh it was a sinclair uh clive sinclair was the guy who he'd he'd um he'd invented essentially the first personal computers the first home computers which which don't look anything like anything we think of now um they look like almost big scientific calculators so it really wasn't very big it was about the size of a paperback book i think the first one i think it was the zx81 that came first and then which had i think one was it 1k of memory can't remember was it was a was a and was a was a spectrum 16k i can't remember but so you had you had the the Sinclair ones, and then you had the Commodore. The Commodore sixty four was the other big one, and the head to head through through the period was the the Spectrum versus the you know versus the um, the, the the Commodore sixty four, and um, the the ZX eighty one was a thing, but then it really kicked in when it went to the Commodore sixty four, and it went to the, um, the the Spectrum. I think because they were both in color, I think I might be wrong on that, but I think they were both. They both had colour uh, because in that you you know you need so so to run one you you had this box um, no such thing as a mouse so there was nothing like that it was uh, it was just the box but you needed a tape machine to load software in and then you needed a portable television and it was quite a job to get it all connected up um, and I I had a ZX Spectrum and I knew I was going to be getting this Spectrum for quite a while. And so, and it was a big thing. I mean, it was a huge thing. It was a huge thing um, to get a, a computer. And, and it, you know, you fell into a Spectrum or a Commodore 64 camp, and it was all about the games. We didn't buy them for the programming. The, the, the programming was the, was the justification to try and get one. Uh, and that's what you would say. You would say, well, I'll learn how to, because it was basic. That's the, 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 the language that everybody talked about was computer basic. So, um, you know, I'll learn how to program basic was the things that you said. Um, but in reality, we never really got past, you know, uh, line 10, um, you know, whatever it was, print, Sheffield United are great, uh, line 20, go to 10, and it would just stream words down the screen, the screen. And that was about as far as any of us ever got, really. Um, so it was all about the games, you know, and we're into, and this is the golden age of, you know, Pac-Man, but it's also, you know, because we'd only had Pong and things like that before, maybe the Atari consoles. And then suddenly, suddenly this opened up. Um, things like Chucky Egg and Manic Miner and all these incredible games that uh, that were available that you had to load in on cassettes, which made a, a, a really incredible sound as they loaded in. It was like an ear-piecing sound. But the bit that being sent this photo of the Spectrum, the bit that it reminded me on of was was how long I, I was waiting for it. Because I was waiting for it for I can't remember if it was a Christmas or a birthday. I think it was a birthday. And I in back in the day you bought computer magazines, so. I bought a computer magazine, and on the back of this computer magazine, there was a life-size picture of a Spectrum. And I used to sit, and I used to type on this picture. 
So I would put this picture in front of me and I would and I would pretend to type. And I don't know how old I was. And I don't even want to say how old I was or even guess because it will be quite embarrassing. It was old enough to know better. But I used to sit and type on this picture of a spectrum on this back of this computer magazine whilst waiting for the day that I was going to get my computer. And it's a really, really, it's really sad, but it's a really, really vivid memory. Wednesday. We kind of need to talk Brexit, and we haven't talked Brexit for a while. And I'm not talking Brexit in terms of vegetables, though we might come on to, you know, salad vegetables. But I need to talk Brexit in terms of Northern Ireland protocol, because the mood music for a while has been that there's a deal that's been done. Something's been done. There's been movement on the, the protocol and some kind of breakthrough has been made. And what I seem to be picking up from the things that I'm listening to and the things that I'm reading, um, and it's kind of borne out through the course of the week in terms of the noises that have come out of the DUP, um, is that, yes, there's been some form of deal, but because the DUP haven't been taken along for the ride. And bearing in mind the DUP are a minority group now in Northern Ireland. They didn't win the elections for the Assembly. We don't have an Assembly at Stormont because Sinn Féin, who is the largest party, cannot do it without the DUP's partnership because the D- you have to have a, um, whether, I don't know if it's a First Minister and a Deputy First Minister or whatever it is, but Sinn Féin would take up the senior position, but you need a a deputy to to kick the process off, and that has to come from the opposition, and the DUP refused to do that, so therefore we have no no, um, government in in Stormont at the moment. So bearing in mind they are the minority party, they are essentially saying to the Conservative Party, whatever you've done, even if it is something we, we could agree with, because we're not being taken along for the ride, and we're not involved in this, the chances are we're going to say no. And I think it's pretty much now looking like the DUP, the one, there isn't a deal the DUP would back that has any chance of success. Because we're into that we're into that circle that won't square, and we're into that situation where the fact of the matter is that the things that the DUP want are not going to be acceptable to the EU. So whatever that middle ground fudge is, and it will be a middle ground fudge of some description, it means that the DUP are not going to go they're not going to go along with it. And so it's it's interesting because there's an element here about it could all kick off. It, it could all kick off. Um, I don't know how, because then we've got the Northern Ireland Bill, which is floating around as well, which effectively is about the UK unilaterally ripping up the protocol. And of course, that gets us into a trade war and all manner of dodgy areas and certainly leaves us falling out with both the EU and the, and the, and the US. And we've got this situation where it's looking like, looking like Rishi is not... So Rishi potentially has done a relatively clever piece of diplomacy here. There's been a relatively clever piece of negotiation gone on. He's probably... looks like he's got some concessions out of the EU that probably weren't deemed to be or thought to be possible. But he's probably never going to be able to play that hand simply because... The ERG and the DUP together are just going to block. And we could be into our whatever number Prime Minister on the bounce now who is going to fall foul of the right wing of his party. So Cameron falls foul of the right wing, Theresa May falls foul, Boris ultimately falls foul of the right wing of the party, and it looks like Rishi now has not got the strength to push through whatever he's done 
on the protocol and we don't know yet it's only suspicions but we don't know but we think something's happened and that's what seems to be the the word that's coming out and yet he probably will never get a chance to play that particular card um and of course then if that doesn't happen as i say two things one the the northern Ireland bill comes back and then we're into this whole thing about ripping things up and 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 it, everything everybody's at loggerheads or two essentially this then becomes an inert government this does become a zombie government to that point because he's not capable of doing anything. He's in hock to his party. He can't do any of the things that he wants to to do, even though potentially he may have negotiated it. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens next. But at the end of the day, you only need 37 Tory MPs to rebel to force a vote of no confidence and we're in general election territory. And I don't know whether we might be closer to that than we've ever been before or certainly for a while it is still possible as whilst it feels settled on the outside i'm kind of getting the impression that something may well kick off between now and the summer and it will kick off around this kind of issue thursday so labor mp margaret hodge has tweeted um that at least when Liz Truss was Prime Minister, there were fresh vegetables to measure her time in office. Aside from the fact that's a very, very good tweet, how have we found ourselves in a situation where we've got empty shelves of vegetables? And the, I know what's going to come next, and I, don't want to, I kind of don't want to frame this in the, in the Brexit scenario, but it doesn't seem to be something that seems to be affecting Europe in quite the same way it's, it's affecting here, so there's some kind of difference or what have you. But how have we found ourselves in a situation where we can't get fresh vegetables? Because I've never known a situation where you couldn't get lettuce and you couldn't get cucumber. And I appreciate they're out of season. I'm not I'm not I'm not disagreeing with the fact, and I'm sure these are complex issues, and I'm sure some of it's got is probably got to come down to energy costs because I imagine if the weather's not been great, you have to heat those kind of tunnels that to, you know to to force the the you know the, the the vegetables on. So I get all of that, but it doesn't seem to be the same issue in. I mean, they're talking now about May before this works its way through. That's two to three months away. Two to three months where we're scrabbling around for vegetables. And then, of course, Teresa Coffey. Um, and Teresa Coffey's an interesting uh, example of a Conservative MP. She, she seems to have the intellectual dexterity of a sideboard, that woman, because she's come out and said, it's okay, let's just eat turnip. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm quite partial at lunchtime to a, a, a chicken Caesar salad. That's one of the things we quite like for lunchtime, nice and easy. That's not something that's going to work with a turnip. So I'm not quite sure where Teresa's working this one through. I accept the fact there's a there's a underlying point there about eating seasonal vegetables. I get that. Turnip seems a bit of a strange thing to reach for. It's got it's just got me thinking about Blackadder. Um, you know, what would you do if you won? 15 pounds oh i'd buy a turnip what would you do if you won 15,000 by 10 pounds i'd buy my dream turnip or whatever the phrase was so it's it's another one of those where you're looking and going well a how we how how we found ourselves here i mean how you know how does this all work and 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 b how out of touch are these people that's the bit i can't get my head around i mean literally let the meat turnip (laughs) 
Friday. Okay, so the reason why I'm, re- I'm recording on Friday, but I'm still up against it, uh, is because I've still got to eat, I've still got to pack, and I still get get ready because I'm out the door at six thirty in the morning to get to Birmingham. The reason why I'm out the door at six thirty and to get to Birmingham tomorrow is because it's the guitar show. So the guitar show is in a new hall, Cranmore Park in Solihull, and I'm comparing the live stage, uh, which is the thing I kind of fell into last year, um, and I'm doing it again, um, which 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 is fine, and I shall look forward to it. And it's me doing the things that I do, which is just basically talking. No real prep, just seeing what happens and winging it, and that's kind of kind of what I do. Um, so I've got that going on. But what's interesting about that? I'm by the way, I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, do the podcast with Jason. It's his event, and so that's going to be that's going to be great. It's going to be and and there'll be a lot of people to see, a lot of industry people I've known for years. It'll be a nice couple of days. Going out for curry tomorrow night. All good, all good, all great. Um, but what makes it really special? So the comparing of live stage is basically me standing on a stage and introducing an act, so a guitar player or whoever it might be, and you know, and and I just make sure they're there, make sure they get on stage, make sure they've got what they want, do a little introduction, wrap them up at the end, give get them a round of applause, move on. Okay, and each act's on for about between thirty minutes and forty five. That that's how it works. Um, but. On Sunday, I've got to do uh, an interview on stage. I've got I've got about forty minutes to on stage with a particular guitarist. Now, what's interesting about that is a guy called Luke Morley, and Luke Morley plays in a band called Thunder. Now, I was a fan of Thunder from the get go, their first album, and went to see Thunder a lot on their first two or three UK tours, and they were an incredible live band. They were part of this this kind of late 80s, early 90s glut of UK bands that were just fun. So we'd had ages about having the American bands and it was all the hair rock and this and the other. And they were the UK bands were a bit more down to earth and they didn't go in for all quite all the big perms and all the big frilly hair and all the big stuff. It was more jeans and T-shirts and it, and it was and it was kind of blues rocky type of stuff. And you've got bands, you know, like Thunder and like Little Angels and, you know, and like the Wild Hearts and what have you. And there was, there was a whole glut of them. And um, Thunder were, they were the closest one that nearly, nearly made it. You know, they had they had big hits. Love, Love Walked In was a big hit. They had two or three of the big hits. And, um, and, and they were just stunning live. And their vocalist, Danny Bowes, is absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to be having, I'm going to do that thing again where I go from watching a band and watching on, you know, a number of tours for a number of years to then chatting to Luke on stage you know, on Sunday and having a, a chat through his gear and a chat through his songwriting and all those kind of things. And I'm just in that space again of, I don't quite know how this happens. I don't quite know how I've ended up in this. I mean, I do because it's all through the podcasting, but it, we, we're back here into this kind of thing of, that's me talking to Luke Morley. Um, and then after Luke Morley, I'll be introducing um, Peter Hook, uh, bass player from um, New Order and Joy Division. And if you grew up through the period I grew up, then Joy Division, New Order, they that that's a real deal. That's a real deal. So you know that's that's the next one that I'm going to be doing. You know after we, after I've chatted to, to Luke, and it's just that whole thing of yeah, just it's still somewhat surreal. Um, in the same way, it's somewhat surreal that I know Rick Armstrong, who's Neil Armstrong's son. That's surreal. So I can talk to Rick about his dad, who was first man on the moon and you know and, and then we're back to we're back to then you know talking to Luke Morley who I went around and for ages was desperate to get tickets and you know to go and see and thought he was stunning when I used to watch him play and I'm sure 
he'll play his guitar and he will play a few of those riffs from those early albums. And it'd be like, there's Luke Morley sat there playing those riffs. So um, I'm, I can't begin to tell you how much I'm looking forward to it. I have to say I'm a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous about the whole Luke Morley thing, but I'm sure it'll all come together. And what's the worst that can happen? He'll be fantastic. I might be awful. We'll have to wait and see. But but that's the reason for the, 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 the dashing about. Uh, and I'll tell you a bit more about it. What I might try and do, because I haven't done one for ages. I haven't done an extra shot for ages. So what I might try and do is take take a mic with me and do something at the show. Do little snippets of recording at the show and put something together and say, right, there's a there's a guitar show kind of thing of so-and-so's just walked back. You wouldn't believe who I've just seen kind of. I've... Anyway, I hope you well. hope you had a great week. Uh, apologies a bit rushed tonight. All feels a bit kind of, you know, on the edge tonight, but we'll, we'll sort it out. Um, and I will speak to you next week. If you've enjoyed Therapy for Me, then please subscribe and share as you see fit. This has been an A Short Stories production.